Welcome, everyone, to Geeks Who Watch Football. I am your host, Jeff Jackson. Today's episode, we are going to be taking a look at the first entry in Sly Cooper series. A little bit of a blast from the past as we take an in-depth review on it. Joining me in just a second will be Garrett. Once again, he was on last week to cover a little bit of the Sly Cooper series, but we're going to go by a game-by-game basis now. Just a quick friendly reminder, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor, please leave a like or review. It really helps the show grow and also helps me create better content for you and gives better feedback as well. In addition, we also have a Facebook page now at Geeks Who Watch Football. Also, you can tweet at me at at MadTitan1018 for any questions, polls, comments, anything you can think of. Just a quick heads up. Next week is the NFL Draft, therefore I will not have any time to be doing a video game podcast. It'll be strictly football. I'll be really tired. It'll be a good time, but we will uh, continue two weeks from now. So the following week we will be back and we will be taking a look at Pokemon Snap. So next week, no video game episode with the focus on the NFL Draft. Garrett's going to be joining me in just a couple minutes. Thanks to everyone for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. What's good, everyone? Welcome to Geeks Who Watch Football. I am your host, Jeff Jackson. If I sound a little excited, it's because we are finally here. We are a few days away from the NFL draft. It is draft week. After this week, there will be no more mock drafts, no more rumors, insides, fake gossip, bad articles on FS1 Sports, nonsense spurted by people who don't watch football, it will finally be close, coming to an end, and I am excited for it. Just a quick reminder this week, we will not be doing a video game episode. My attention will be fully focused on the NFL draft. Next week, we will pick up, and I believe we will be doing a Pokemon Snap review and some other games as well. This Thursday, I will not be doing a podcast, but rather a Facebook Live event on draft night. I haven't settled in on the locale yet. I'm either going to be hunkered down in a, with my buddy Matt, who you guys have had on before, and or I'm going to be like in a bar and you just get to see me enjoying drinks and good times with friends and family and watching the draft. So hope you guys tune in. I will be posting it on the Facebook page, Geeks Who Watch Football. Uh, so make sure you stay tuned. Just a reminder, the NFL draft is this Thursday. For those of you who are listening on Spotify, Apple Podcast or uh, Anchor, please leave a review. Please leave a like. It's how we help get the show better. In addition, you can also tweet at me. I am at MadTitan1018. With that being said, also, I'm going to be covering it in today's episode, but afterward, I will be posting my final mock draft on the Facebook page, Geeks Who Watch Football, so you can check it out as well. So if you want to follow along as the draft goes on and see how many picks I get right, 
you can do it that way if you don't want to re-listen to this podcast, even though that'd be good for me. With that being said, today's episode, I'm going to be breaking it up into a little bit of parts here because this is the last episode before we go live with the draft. I'm going to be doing the Cookie Supreme bets, the Locket Impicks, and last but not least, my final mock draft for 2021. The Cookie Supreme bets, for those of you who were not paying attention to, I think it was like a week ago, Matt and Paul and I were talking. It was either last week or two weeks ago. It was a little game we had. It was the infamous draft where Lamry Tunza fell due to the gas mask incident to the Miami Dolphins. Matt predicted it. I did not think Laramie Tunzel was going to fall that far. I ended up having to buy uh, Matt dessert, and the joke's been running ever since. So every year, we do these cookie supreme bets with each other. Normally, I'd have these two on here, to, and we'd bicker and debate over what would happen, but I'm going to give you my cookie supreme bets. These are the bets that I would take to people on draft night. Now, bear in mind, some of these could happen. I haven't had a great track record with these lately, so... If anything, like use the reverse and bet against me if you want, and you might end up having better odds. But one way or another, I'm going to be really right, either if you bet against me or for me. So cookie supreme bet number one, I predict that three running backs will go in the top 35 picks of the NFL draft. Why 35? Because if you remember last week, I had a fierce debate with Matt that when pick 36 came, which is the Dolphins' second round selection, all three running backs would be off the board. And if you followed our mock draft that we did at Brown Robin style, I had Najee Harris going to the Dolphins. Paul had Javante Williams going to Jacksonville. And Matt made the hint that his Jets would take Travis Etienne with their first round pick or their second round pick, I'm sorry, which was, I believe, pick 34. So my prediction is that doesn't mean that Miami won't get one of those three, but within the first 35 picks, I think all three running backs will go this year. That's cookie Supreme bet. Number one, if I had to make an estimate, people know the teams that I like, and it's kind of not a spoiler to my mock draft because I don't go into the second round. I think the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers are going to take Najee Harris. I think the uh, other teams to keep an eye on in the first round with their selection would be the Buffalo Bills. Rumor has it per Benjamin Albright that they are potentially thinking about trading up. It was either Benjamin Albright. He might have retweeted. I'm sorry. I think it was Todd McShay, actually, but I, Benjamin Albright might have retweeted it. They were thinking of moving up ahead of the Jets and the Pittsburgh Steelers for Najee Harris, but Buffalo is a team still to watch out for. The teams where I think you could see a fall is Travis Etienne going to the Jacksonville Jaguars with their second round pick. In addition, I could see Javante Williams either going to the Bills or I could see him going to the Atlanta Falcons at pick 35. So if you want me to slate out, I think your odds are pretty good for taking this bet. So if we go over this bet, uh, a little bit of math for you realistic teams that could take a running back in the first 35 picks Arizona at 16 I don't think they will but they could that's one the Dolphins at 18 Jets at 23 Pittsburgh at 24 Jacksonville at 25 Buffalo the New York Jets second round pick the Jacksonville Jaguars second round pick the Atlanta Falcons that's nine spots. 
and three have to go. So there are your odds. I feel pretty good about that bet. Moving on, next bet. This is sure to get some stirring. I predict Jalen Phillips will not go on the top 20 of this draft. Jalen Phillips, for many people, is defensive uh, defensive end or edge rusher number one. And I would agree, if you are just watching the film, he had a hell of a pro day. Looks great on film. I would say he is the best pass rusher in this draft. So why is he going to fall? Well, he had three concussions in college. He had to medically retire from UCLA before transferring to the Miami Hurricanes. Concussions are the one injury you don't recover from. If anything, you're more susceptible the more you have. And I think that is going to scare the hell out of teams. We have seen it year after year after year in the NFL draft where talented prospects fall because of their injury history or concerns. Sometimes we don't even hear about it as fans until after the draft because we keep trying to mock draft these guys. We're like, this guy was supposed to go top 10. Why'd he fall? Oh, that's why. And it comes out. Miles Jack comes to mind, linebacker from UCLA. I swear it's not a UCLA thing. He's just the example. He was supposed to be a first-round pick, fell out of the first round due to concerns about, I believe it was his knees, that he might have a shortened playing career. Jalen Smith, everybody remembers, the linebacker out of Notre Dame, first-round talent, top 10 talent, had a horrific injury in a bowl game out of the first round. The right tackle, I want to say it was Jawan Taylor, but I don't remember his name for Jacksonville. He was slotted to go top 12, second-round pick. Now, I don't think Jalen Phillips is going to go out of the first round. I'm not going to be that bold, but I would not be surprised if, A, he's not the first pass rusher taken, and, B, he does not go top 20 because I think it's going to scare the hell out of teams with those concussions. I think it doesn't mean they won't go defensive end, but I think they're going to push a couple other defensive end prospects higher than Jalen Phillips. So that's supreme bet number two. Number three, I predict a center will be drafted in the first round. There are a couple teams that come to mind. I'm not just going to spew that out. I think obviously the running favorite is center Landon Dickerson from Alabama or Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma. There are definitely teams that need a center picking in the first round. I think he would go in the 20s. I think Pittsburgh comes to mind if they don't go running back. I think the Packers could to replace Corey Lindsley. I think Baltimore could. Those are three teams that come to mind. Kansas City I would have put as a favorite too, but they traded their pick. I really firmly believe this could happen. Like I said, and this is a, I don't want to say safe bet because obviously they, they could not happen. You're playing with fire because they're going in the 20s. But I think one of them is going to slip up. I think a team's going to get cold feet and be scared it won't be available in their pick 50 or in the late uh, late second round, I mean. Pick number four. I believe the Patriots will move up for a quarterback. I know some people are saying, well, thanks, Jeff. In other news, water is wet. But I think the Patriots could trade up as far as into the top 10 for a quarterback this year. I think this is very unpatriot-like. I don't think they've traded up into the top 10 since the Bell Belichick era, since he's taken over. But this has been a very uncharacteristic year for the New England Patriots. They spent a lot this offseason. Patriots usually don't spend money. 
the quarterback we can all agree is the missing piece for this team. Not saying they're Super Bowl bound if they get a quarterback, but that was clearly the issue last year. I mean, I'm sorry, Cam Newton didn't light the world on fire. They had a lot of defensive players sit out for COVID. They're getting defensive players back. They spent a lot of money in free agency. Now, we'll see if that actually contributes to them being a better football team. But they're in win now. Bill Belichick doesn't care right now about the long term of the Patriots. He's in the win now. I know it burns his ass that Tom Brady just won a Super Bowl. He wants to at least have a successful team. He doesn't want to go. That He doesn't want to have another 7-9 season. He doesn't want to be known as a mediocre coach that inherited Tom Brady, and that's why he's great. And I'm not saying Bill Belichick's mediocre, by the way. I think he's one of the top five coaches of all time. But I think him and Tom Brady go hand-in-hand hand like any great coach. Any great coach has a great quarterback. Go to Bill Walsh with Joe Montana and Steve Young, Don Shula with Dan Marino and Bob Greasy. Like, the list goes on and on. Like, Jimmy Johnson with Troy Aikman, Shanahan with uh, John Elway. Like, it happens with everybody, but... Bill isn't going to wait till 15 to go get his guy. Who is their guy? I'm going to reveal that in my mock draft later on. But yes, I could be more specific and say the Patriots move up into the top 10. But this one's not as much of an aggressive bet because I don't think anybody's going to take that bet with you because everybody's kind of keying them in. But this is more of a me just having an excuse to because I know I do have some Patriot fans. It's not that I hate you, even though I'm jealous of your team's success, but this is an excuse to kind of talk about the Patriots a little bit. Last cookie supreme bet I have here, Justin Fields will be the fourth quarterback off the board. Now, for this to happen, the San Francisco 49ers have to take Mac Jones. If the San Francisco 49ers take Trey Lance or Justin Fields, this won't happen. And me personally, I do not have Justin Fields ranked this poor. Actually, do I? Actually, I think I do have him. <laughs> I do have him as my QB4. <laughs> um, so circle back to that. Sorry. Will be the fifth quarterback off the board. I'm sorry. I had to think for a second. Like, wait a minute. He is the fourth. I'm not saying he's the worst quarterback because he's not. But so sorry. Justin Fields will be the fifth quarterback off the board. Let me edit my notes there. So for that to happen, Mac Jones has to go third. Because then I think Trey Lance will go ahead of Justin Fields. If Trey Lance goes third, because the rumor has the, the 49ers are between Trey Lance and Mac Jones. I think then they will have to, I think if they go with Trey Lance, I think Justin Fields would go ahead of Mac Jones. It's all depending on, because I think the only team that has their eyes set on Mac Jones right now this high in the draft is the 49ers. I think they're bidding against themselves, honestly. But, hey. I'm not here to judge. Well, actually, I am a little bit, but so that is my last cookie supreme bet. Once again, for those of you, because I had a little bit of a stumble there, a blooper, Justin Fields will be the fifth quarterback off the board. Not the fourth, but the fifth. So those are my cookie supreme bets. Just a quick rundown again. Three running backs will go in the top 25 or top 35 picks. Jalen Phillips will not go in the top 20. A center will be drafted in the first round. 
The Patriots will move up for a quarterback. Justin Fields will be the fifth quarterback off the board. Next up, I'm going to do my lock it in picks. Now, what are my lock it in picks? That is when Paul, Matt, and I first started doing mock drafts with each other. We had a little competition. Not only would we compare our mock drafts with each other, but we would do what's called lock it in picks, where we project who our team is going to take in the first round and lock those picks in. Our mock draft doesn't have to match who they take, but we pick who we think our team is going to end up with at the end of the day in the first round. doesn't matter if they move up, move down. And we used that to settle in case we had a tie. It was the tiebreaker. And I've had a pretty decent run with the Dolphins of getting this right. I've kind of had it a little rougher lately because I've had multiple first-round picks. But the only year I screwed it up really bad was the Larry Tunza year because, once again, I had Miles Jack. Last year, I was 50-50. I had two a right, but I didn't have Austin Jackson. I had us trading up for Tristan Wirfs. I wasn't doing the podcast at the time, but I did get Charles Harris right, unfortunately. I did get Christian Wilkins right, unfortunately. Not in my mock draft. Once again, these were lock-in impacts, not who we had as the actual mock draft. And sometimes you do that to hedge your bet because it's like your gut feeling. Because when you're trying to project what teams do, Reason from Finside the NFL said this best, and I really I'm stealing his idea, but he hit the net, he hit it right on the head of what you're feeling when you're doing mock draft simulators. There's what your head is telling you, what your heart is telling you, and what your gut is telling you. Your heart obviously being who you want your team to take, and that can affect your mock draft because you rip you really don't realize it, but you want your team to get it. So you kind of try to find a way for your team to end up with them. There's your head based on what you're reading, rumors, history, scouting reports, whatever, basically what you're thinking and your gut is what you feel like is going to happen. And more often than not, believe it or not, your gut's right. The mock draft might not match it. That's why we. The, it's not imperative that the mock draft has to match your gut picks. It's not really hedging your bets. It's just you're saying your piece because nothing's worse than not picking who your gut says and then they end up taking that player and you're like, God damn it, I was right. So I've stalled long enough. Who are the Miami Dolphins locking in picks? Bear in mind, just a reminder, Miami has picks six and 18. This does not matter where they take these two players. Meaning if Miami trades back, if they trade up from 18, my goal is to just get the two picks right. They also could move pick 36 up into the late first. There's been rumors of that. I'm not going to try to predict that. I'm going to go with who the Dolphins start with. If they end up doing that strategy, great. But you can't hold it against the people. So, for example, on draft night, Matt might reveal his. Paul hasn't sent me his, but we'll reveal that later in the week, probably when we do the live stream this Thursday for them. I don't want to put words in their mouth. I don't want to convey who it is. If I had a guess for Matt, it's obviously Zach Wilson for his Jets for one. And his other pick, I want to say a corner. I think it's Greg Newsom. He's going to say, he might say Caleb Farley, but I want to say it's one of the two corners he would say. For Paul, I think it's Jason Owe. But once again, I don't want to put words in their mouth. That's who I think they're going to say for their lock in picks. But who knows? They could change their mind. This was also a week ago. So for the Dolphins, pick one, I have wide receiver out of Alabama. Still don't know which one yet. <laughs> Devontae Smith. Smith is my wide receiver one. For those of you who listened in a couple weeks ago to my wide receiver board, this isn't necessarily 
my head keeps telling me they're going to take Kyle Pitts at six, but for some reason, one, I don't think Kyle Pitts is going to be there. And I don't even don't know how, honestly, but somehow I just feel like he's just not going to be there. And I feel like it's been Devonte Smith all along. They like go back to Benjamin Albright at the senior bowl. He said, pencil it in Devonte Smith to the dolphins. And then we've been taking out a wild ride ever since it's come full circle. We were, well, the Dolphins, you know, they first they traded back to 12, and everyone's like, oh, crap, they're not going to get anybody. They might get Micah Parsons or Najee at 12. Then they traded back up to six. And then there was the stuff of, yep, Dolphins are all in on pits, even if they had to trade back up to four. And then following that, it was, no, 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 Miami wants Jamar Chase. They had Chris Greer and um, I almost said Eric Studsville. George Gotzi, their offensive coordinator or co-offensive coordinator, at um, Jamar Chase's Pro Day. Tony Pauline leaked. That's the apple of their eye, Jamar Chase. Then later on, we heard Brian Flores is infatuated with Micah Parsons. He's a defensive coach. He wants a defensive player. And now you hear all the smoke. It's Jalen Waddle. He fits the offense. He's been the apple of their eye all along. They, they need a slot. They need speed. He'd replace Jakeem Grant because he can also return punts, get him off the field. And I have a feeling it's been, I just have a gut feeling it's been Devontae Smith all along. The Dolphins used the same strategy a year ago with Tua Tungavailoa. We went Tua, then we went Herbert, then you heard trade down for Jordan Love. Then you heard this, the night before the draft, the dumb rumor from Armando Salguero that we were trading up to try to take Andrew Thomas. <laughs> And then we ended up taking Tua. The Dolphins, I think, are doing the same effect. Now, do I believe it was Devontae Smith no matter what? No, because I think the Dolphins have their eye on two or three players. But I think if they really had Kyle Pitts as the apple of their eye no matter what, quote-unquote, like the note card from uh, or on the post-it note from draft day with Kevin Costner, I think if it was Kyle Pitts no matter what, they would have stayed at three. I think it was Jamar Chase, no matter what, they would have stayed at three. I think it was even Panay Suel, they would have stayed at three. They wouldn't have risked missing him to Cincinnati. I think they have a board of two or three players they really like. But I've talked long enough on that one. Devontae Smith is my prospect, uh, my locking in for the pick, first pick. The second first round pick, this is where it gets interesting. I really think the Dolphins have it hard to screw up pick six. Pick 18 and pick 36 are going to give me a stomach ulcer. With that further said, with their second first-round pick, pick 18, the lock-it-in selection, I have the Miami Dolphins selecting defensive end out of Michigan, Quiddy Pay. Just to clarify, this isn't the pick I would make. I just have a sinking feeling they're taking Quiddy Pay. Yes, Jalen Phillips makes sense, but as I just stated earlier in my Cookie Supreme bets, I think the concussions are going to scare the Dolphins away, not just Dolphins, other teams like the Vikings away. Maybe the Giants at 11, but I think they go wide receiver if one of the three are there. I think the Dolphins are going defensive end here. I was trolling Sleazer when I said Najee Harris. I would love Najee, and if they take Najee at 18, would I be surprised? No. Do I think the Dolphins could still end up with Najee? Sure. I think they could trade up from 36. They're going to have to trade up, though, but they could. But... I really think 
Matt was right. I think he said Phillips was his target. I Phillips didn't have this many concussion histories, or if even if he had just a broken leg but not concussions, I would say this pick. But I think they're going to go with Quiddy Pay. A little bit more raw. Dolphins love upside players. They took a raw upside player last year with high character with Austin Jackson, offensive tackle. I think they do the same route this year. A raw player who's kind of more of a run-stuffing defensive end, edge setter right now with Quiddy Pay, but has a lot of potential to be more than that. Numbers haven't reflected it yet, but they think with good coaching, they can reflect it. And I think the Dolphins are thinking the same thing. I almost said Aziz Ojulari, defensive end from Georgia, but I don't know if that's a scheme fit. He's more designed, I believe, for a wide nine scheme. If this was the Dolphins' defense back when they had Nadamakatsu and Cameron Wake, I would agree with that. I think it would be Aziz Ojulari. But I think the scheme fit, Jalen Phillips fits it like a glove. But once again, I think the concussions are there. I think the pick is going to be defensive end Quiddy Pay. So those are my two locket in picks, Devontae Smith and Quiddy Pay. Will my mock drafts reflect that? You're going to find out. And no, that wasn't a break pause, by the way. I was just reading to make sure I had all my notes covered. So, yes, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, I am going to cover the moment some of you have been waiting for. Actually, probably just like one, because I think I'm the only draft nerd really on here, but who loves doing all these mock drafts. But when we come back from break, I'm going to reveal my final mock draft. Welcome back, everyone. So, before the break, we did our Cookie Supreme bets. Heads up this week for the Facebook Live event this Thursday to celebrate the NFL draft. Made my lock at Impicks. Now we get to the final mock draft before Thursday. Not going to be doing anymore. In a way, I'm kind of relieved to be doing it. I'm nervous because I'm literally split 50-50 on certain picks, but you got to just poop or get off the pot at this point. So just a heads up, Matt, Paul, and I do a competition, and sometimes we have a couple other friends join in as well. But we usually have a mock draft competition with each other. And like I said, this is the first year of the podcast, so obviously we don't advertise that beforehand. Our scoring was we would have a lock it in mock draft, which is what we would do right now. We would get a point right for the position if we got the position right and if we, another point for the correct player. So, for example, at pick three, if I say Mac Jones quarterback and the 49ers take Trey Lance, I would still get a point because I got quarterback right, but I wouldn't get the full because I didn't get the name right. We are allowed to mock trades. Although when we get really competitive with this, we figured out that usually in most drafts, especially last year, because I got boned on that part, it's really hard to predict trades because they have to be dead on. And if you don't get a trade right, you're wrong on two teams. Like let's say, for example, you mocked that Atlanta trades at four. If they end up staying put at four and not trading, you're instantly wrong on two picks because you're wrong on Atlanta because you thought they'd move back and you're wrong on whoever you predicted the trade up. So sometimes I know the one year that was Paul's strategy. He didn't mock a trade at all because he's like, yeah, there's going to be a couple trades, but I'd rather have that wrong than try to guess a trade and instantly be wrong right off the bat and have it cause a ripple effect. In addition, we also do what's called pick to pick. So when you see us on Facebook Live this Thursday, 
be sure to check it out. I can't stress it enough how it's going to be fun. We'll do what's called pick to pick, meaning when Roger Goodell gets on the podium, we say who we think the pick is. It doesn't have to follow our mock draft. And the reason we do that is so if the Jets take Justin Fields second overall, it doesn't kill the rest of the board. So you still have to interact and engage from pick to pick. We don't have our phones on us. I'll have mine for running Facebook Live, obviously, but we won't be allowed to use Twitter to cheat and see who to pick to pick is. That way it's still fun and engaging and you still keep score. So it's a combination of all those things to determine who's the mock draft champion. So with that being said, we're getting into my draft. This was a really tough draft for me to do. Probably one of the harder ones I've done because I really don't know what the couple of these teams are thinking. And I want to predict trades, but at the same time, I'm scared because I don't know. I think trades will happen, but I don't know where. There's three main trade spots, and if you miss on one, you're going to be wrong. So with that being said, let's get into it. Pick number one, this is where it's easy. Jacksonville Jaguars. I have them taking Trevor Lawrence. I feel bad because not many people talk about this, but he's been the locked-in pick since the moment the season ended. He's been talked about since his freshman year when he won the national title. He is QB1. The New York Jets at number two. I have them taking quarterback Zach Wilson out of BYU. Once again... Not much to really say here, but this has been the locked-in pick for a while. It kind of been locked in ever since the Dolphins traded out of three in the Philadelphia Eagles leaked that they wanted Zach Wilson, but he wasn't available. And everybody put two and two together. On top of that, the New York Jets traded away Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers. So that kind of sealed the deal. Everyone was saying, yeah, it's Zach Wilson. And I'm not going to go away from that now. Here we go and pick three. If you follow Ian Rappaport, he said this is between Trey Lance and Mac Jones. And I agree with this, by the way. I'm not just saying it to say it. Trey Lance was my QB2 in my quarterback rankings. Trey Lance makes the most sense because he can sit behind Jimmy Garoppolo. He has the highest upside in this draft, even higher than Zach Wilson, yes, in my opinion but I don't think the 49ers are going to go here. This isn't who I would take. Once again, this is a predictive mock. I think the 49ers are going to take Mac Jones quarterback out of Alabama. Once again, I'm just reading the tea leaves. When they first made this trade with the Dolphins, people closest to Kyle Shanahan, Shannon Sharp, all of them were saying it's Mac Jones. Chris Sims. I think Chris Sims is a clown. But he does know Kyle Shanahan. It's one of his buddies. And they both say it's Mac Jones. He fits the protege. Matt was on yet the last week, and Matt said it best. Look at his quarterbacks he's coached. Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan. He likes those statuesque quarterbacks. I know he's worked with RG3, but he didn't want RG3. They kind of inherited him. That was an owner's pick. I think Mac Jones is the pick here. I think in given Shanahan's interviews of how he's getting a little defensive with the media of, well, if we like a guy, we like a guy, and it doesn't matter with this. 
I think they do like Trey Lance. I think the scouts in the organization like Trey Lance, but I think Mac Jones is the apple of Kyle Shanahan's eye. It's not who I would take. I hope they take Mac Jones because the Dolphins have the first round have their first round pick next year. But I ultimately think the 49ers go with Mac Jones here. This is where the draft starts now. I understand they could go Trey Lance at three, but three quarterbacks are going top three. This is where the draft starts, and this is where I'm going to be nervous because this is going to screw up a lot of mock drafts. I think it was Mel Kuyper famously said one time, besides when him and uh, Tobin went at it over uh, not taking Trent Dilfer, but no, Mel Kuyper's other famous line was, if you get 10 picks right on the money in this draft, you did something good. And I feel like a lot of people are going to get three picks right, but pick number four, ugh, if you get this right, you'll get pick five, pick six. It'll lead to a ripple of being correct. If you get it wrong, I think pick five is going to be right for most people no matter what. But pick six and seven, I think, are going to be rippled if you get pick four wrong. You're well on your way to almost being halfway right with this. And another analogy, by the way, sorry, one more thing on Mac Jones. I think people keep saying, if you listen to the mock dress closely, bear in mind, folks, you're trying to predict what teams will do, not what you think you should do. It reminds me of Daniel Jones for the Giants. Everybody was saying Daniel Jones, and all of us, myself included, the media was all saying, no, it can't be Daniel Jones because we don't have him rated that high. How many times do you turn on the TV or read a mock draft on Walter Football or Draft Network or wherever where they say, we just don't believe it because we don't have them rated that high. Well, you're not doing the ratings. You're not doing the pick. The 49ers are doing the pick. Mitchell Trubisky, some people didn't like either. You're trying to get the pick right, not who you would take. There are mock drafts you can do in exercises beforehand, but all signs, in my opinion, point to Mac Jones. Trey Lance makes more sense, but if you follow the breadcrumbs, Mac Jones is the pick. Okay, done with the 49ers. Back to the Atlanta Falcons. I think the one thing I'll agree with PFT on is if this is a Arthur Blank pick or not. Because at any moment, they have a new GM, a new coach. Julio Jones is on the trade block. This all screams rebuild. I understand Matt Ryan wants to trade capital, and he wants to move off his pit. I understand Matt Ryan's a huge draft kit. But they said the same thing about Jared Goff. They said the same thing about Carson Wentz, and those teams found a way to get out from it. If Arthur Blank, and they have done a crap load of work on the quarterbacks, a crap load. If the Atlanta Falcons take a quarterback here, it will be an Arthur Blank pick, and I would not be surprised. I would not be, because it's Arthur Blank's pick. However, I just can't get it out of my head that they're going to not... that. They've been trying so hard. I think it was them leaking the smoke screens from Miami, Detroit, that all these teams want to trade down. And people are like, well, why wouldn't Miami leak? And I'm like, because Miami made a trade with San Francisco and nobody and it came out of left field. Nobody knew about it. Eagles didn't leak it. Dolphins didn't leak it. 49ers didn't leak it. I think Atlanta is doing everything they can to try to trade this pick. So could four quarterbacks go in the top four? Absolutely but I think a trade's going to have to happen. And I think Atlanta's asking for too much. I don't think a team's going to do it. Not with Cincinnati, Dolphins, and Detroit not needing quarterbacks. And I think Carolina's out of the market as well. So I don't think quarterbacks go here. I think a team is going to wait until later and then trade up and get their guy. So 
With that being said, I hope this doesn't happen. This is the one mock draft pick I'd hope to be wrong on, but I think the Atlanta Falcons are going to take Kyle Pitts tight end. I understand they have Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst is a good, solid tight end, but he's not elite. It's the same argument, and I understand somebody's got to be right here because I hear all the time Arthur Smith doesn't run 12-man personnel, and then I hear others say he does. Which is it? Is it both? Because I think Hayden Hurst doesn't prevent you from taking an elite tight end if he's there. Not with the tight ends coach like Arthur Smith, who was an offensive coordinator as well for the Tennessee Titans and got great value out of John U. Smith. Now, if I'm Atlanta, would I make this pick? Hell no, I would trade back. And I think that's, if Atlanta was dead set on the quarterback here four, I don't think they'd be trying so hard to trade out of four. I think if they're stuck there, I think they're going to be stuck at pick four. I think they take tight end Kyle Pitts. All right. I felt like I'd take a quick drink break. I feel like I spent like seven minutes on two picks, so I'm going to have to go a little quicker. This is going to be a three-hour event. Cincinnati Bengals. I have them taking wide receiver Jamar Chase out of LSU. I know most Dolphin fans right now are going to want to stab their eyes with glass because their top two prospect pits and chase are off the board. But I think, and I know the national media keeps saying Panay Suel. I would take Panay Suel as well. But Jamar Chase... All the local media in Cincinnati has said the national media is eventually going to co- come up to it. It's Jamar Chase, and I believe the local media in Cincinnati. They're pretty plugged in. Obviously, local media, but some don't have a clue. Just ask Miami's local media. They don't. But I think Jamar Chase is it. I think Joe Burrow wants to be reunited with his weapon. I think they try to get an offensive lineman in the second and third round. When they did the lockdown mod draft, the lockdown Bengals writer said as much, too. Same line of thinking. I think the Bengals are going to try to get an offensive lineman with their second-round pick. If it was me, I would take Panay Suel at fifth or Rashawn Slater, probably Rashawn Slater even, just because he could be a guard. Think of like Zach Martin. I would take Rashawn Slater, and then I would take Terrace Marshall in the second round if it was me. And you're still reuniting Joe Burrow with the weapon, but you're getting him an elite offensive lineman. But I'm not making the pick. Cincinnati Bengals are. So Jamar Chase goes five. All right, the Miami Dolphins are on the clock. This could scream trade down, but I kind of got, and you're going to see me contradict a little of my Cookie Supreme bets here because I want to be right on this mock draft more than I want to be wrong. I do think at some point or another, the Patriots trade up into the top 10, but I don't know where, and I don't want to try to predict it because they, uh, I don't think the Patriots should trade with Miami at six, but I think a trade up will happen at six. Or not six, I'm sorry, it's seven, the Detroit Lions, eight, the Carolina Panthers, nine, the Denver Broncos. I just, I don't know. I don't want to try to guess it if I guess Carolina and ends up going to Detroit or vice versa, and then I'm screwed. So the Dolphins, I'm going to follow my lock it in pick here. With Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts being off the board, I have them taking Devontae Smith, wide receiver out of Alabama. I think they could go Jalen Waddle here, as lately reported. I think he fits as well. But I'm going to stick with my gut here. I think Devontae Smith's the pick. Now, if quarterback goes four, yes, Kyle Pitts will go six to Miami. But I think Devontae Smith's the pick here at six. Pick number seven, the Detroit Lions are on the clock. I've heard a lot of rumors lately from Micah Parsons here. I've heard a lot of rumors for trade down, especially with Justin Fields and Trey Lance still on the board. 
that a team like New England at 15, Washington at 19, Chicago at 20 will be offering godfather packages at this point to move up. And I could easily see it happening easily for Detroit because they need picks. But once again, I'm trying to be right here. And I'm going to have Detroit staying put. And they are going to finish off this receiver run because they got rid of Kenny Galladay. They let Marvin Jones walk. Sure, they have Brashad Perriman. They need. They have an empty receiving core. I think they're going to take Jalen Waddle, wide receiver out of Alabama here at seven. Once again, I think this could be a prime trade down spot because two elite quarterbacks are still on the board. Carolina is on the clock now. I think they would consider a trade down right here at eight as well. But I have them staying put and taking offensive tackle Panay Suell. They have a solid right tackle with Taylor Moton, but they don't. I think it's Greg Little is his name at left tackle. He's kind of a pushover. They need a solidified left tackle. It is amazing that a generational tackle makes it to eight. You do not see that in drafts very often. It is because there is an early run on quarterbacks and a generational tight end that he makes it this far. I don't think the Panthers pass on him if they stay put at eight. They take offensive tackle Panay Suell out of Oregon. Denver Broncos are up. I have, and I think they're going to end up with him somehow, but I just don't have the balls to do it right here because I'm following my board. The Denver Broncos, I have a feeling, would take Micah Parsons, and I think they end up with Micah Parsons on draft night. It would not surprise me, but given the way the board has fallen, I think they go quarterback here. I don't believe they want a quarterback, but given they didn't have to trade up, and one of the two they like is on the board, and I think the quarterback they like is right here for the taking. I'm going to give them quarterback Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. I think that's the quarterback they like. Once again, you'll notice, I think the Patriots could trade up here, but I want to be right here. I think the Patriots would trade up with either Detroit, Carolina, or Denver here to move up and get their quarterback. But I'm trying to be right and match the player with the team, so I'm kind of not doing a trade here in this draft. Call it me being competitive. Call it me being trying to be accurate. I'm just trying to get as many picks right as I can. The Dallas Cowboys, I could also see a trade down here, by the way, with New England. But given how the board has fallen, I think they go corner Patrick Sertan out of Alabama. They need defense. They desperately need defense. I know they were rumored to like Kyle Pitts, but I don't think they trade up. I think the price is far too high to trade up for Kyle Pitts. And they would be crucified because they need defense in the worst way. They are missing that true lockdown corner since Byron Jones left in free agency. I know the corner they drafted last year in the second round isn't bad, but they need another. You can never have enough corners in this league. It's too good to be true, I think, or too good not to be true. I mean, it's a perfect fit. If J.C. Horn goes here, I wouldn't be surprised. I think he has higher upside than Patrick Sertan, but I just have a gut feeling the Cowboys go with Patrick Sertan here. That brings the New York Giants on the clock at pick 11. Oh, boy. <laughs> I really think Devontae Smith is their guy if he makes it here. I would not be stunned at all if they go wide receiver. 
I also almost gave them an edge here with Jalen Phillips and contradicted myself because I do believe they like Jalen Phillips a lot. But there is a prospect they like more than Jalen Phillips. They only attended two defensive players pro days. And by two, I mean the the head coach attended two defensive players pro days. That was Jalen Phillips and Micah Parsons. I believe at pick 11, they take Micah Parsons, linebacker out of Penn State. Once again, if Devontae Smith is on the board, I believe they go Devontae Smith. Dave Gettleman was rumored to be infatuated with him, and I think he could fall out of the top 10, by by the way, if Miami doesn't take him. If Miami takes Kyle Pitts, I could easily see Devontae Smith making it to 11, if not farther out of the top 10. But given the way the board has fallen, no three receivers, they could also take Rashad Bateman. Do not be surprised if Bateman goes higher than people think. Receiver out of Minnesota. But I had them taking Micah Parsons here. Philadelphia Eagles are on the clock. They're another team. One of the three receivers are here. They may run the card up. But I think they really, really, really like J.C. Horn, and that's who I'm going to give them, corner out of South Carolina. They need defensive help, folks. And I know Jalen Rager sucks. They did take a receiver in the first. If one of the three receivers, like a Jalen Waddle, are there, they would take him. But given that the three receivers are gone, they may reach on Bateman. There's rumors around that, but I think J.C. Horn they like slightly more, and it's a good pick. I have a higher grade on J.C. Horn than I do in Rashad Bateman. I think Horn's a great corner. I think he has the highest upside in this draft besides Caleb Farley. So it's a good pick. L.A. Chargers are on the clock. I guess swig there. I'm running out of breath. I have them taking, obviously, offensive line is the big need. It lines up perfectly for them. There's going to be an offensive lineman there when they pick a 13. The question is just getting it right. (laughs) If they go tackle or guard or inside, like I have them taking a tackle. Given that he's here, I have them taking Rashawn Slater. Now the Giants could pluck him at 11. I know they they leaked the tweet and then deleted it instantly where they traded with the Giants to take Rashawn Slater. I've also seen rumors they've tried to trade up to seven to take Panay Sewell. That makes sense as well. But I think we all have the common agreement they are going to go offensive line. Rashawn Slater, I think he's more of a guard than a tackle, but he's still a higher-graded player for me. I don't have him as high as Panay Sewell because, once again, I think he's elite inside instead of out, but he's still a Pro Bowl-level player. I think he'll be a Pro Bowl guard similar to Zach Martin out of Notre Dame. The Minnesota Vikings. I have them going. It's going to be an edge player here or it's going to be interior offensive line. I flip a coin back and forth, but given that I'm trying to kind of copy my cookie supreme bet, I don't think they'll go edge here. They could, but I'm going to give them inside offensive lineman, a.k.a. guard. It's a fancy way of saying guard. Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC. They need to solidify the inside of that line for Kirk Cousins. Mike Zimmer has a history of not taking defensive ends high. He takes corners high, but, and they did take Jeff Gladney last year. They could take a corner because Jeff Gladney has some trouble with the law. Matt Sleazer pointed this out last week. They could take a corner this high, but I don't know if they go pass rusher this high. So I'm going to go Vera Tucker here. The New England Patriots, I can't believe he fell here. I think they trade up and get their guy, but I'm just trying to match the correct player with the correct team. I don't think he makes it this far. I think the New England Patriots trade up, but they still end up with this guy. They take quarterback Justin Fields out of Ohio State. The slide ends here. Do I think Fields makes it to 15? Hell no, because I think 
Chicago and Washington will both be on the phone to jump them. I think New England ends up trading into the top 10 to get Justin Fields, but for right now, I'm just trying to get the picks right. So I'm going to give Justin Fields to the New England Patriots. I think he's their guy. As I hinted at earlier in the podcast that I would cover it, I think he's been their guy all along. I think they're going to trade up for him. Trey Lance also makes a lot of sense here. But once again, I think Lance goes before Fields. And I think the Patriots are going to get one of these guys. All right, we're almost at the halfway point here. We have the Arizona Cardinals. This is another one where I know I'm going to get the position right, but I don't know if I'm going to get the player right. I've been flipping a coin back and forth. (sighs) So with that being said, God, this is a tough one. It's between Caleb Farley and Greg Newsom. Caleb Farley has the much, 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 much higher ceiling, but he's injury prone. He missed last year. He had two back injuries, one recently that he's having, uh, I think it's surgery to fix, or he's recovering from the injury. But he also opted out of 2020. His upside is hugely high. Do I think he could go here? I also want to blame the Cardinals for taking Greg Newsom here and saying, yeah, we're going to go with the more sure bet. But I'm going to follow my gut, and I'm going to say Caleb Farley here, 16. They're going to bank on that upside. The slide ends for Caleb Farley, a player who would probably be the 10th pick to the Cowboys if he was healthy. I could also see Greg Newsom here, but I'm going to project Caleb Farley for right now for this draft. I think they're going to bank on the upside. So that is the halfway point of the draft. Just a quick recap. We had three quarterbacks go in the top three. Trevor Lawrence to the Jaguars, Zach Wilson to the Jets, Mac Jones to the 49ers. The Atlanta Falcons could not find a trade down partner, so they take the best non-player or non-quarterback in the draft with Kyle Pitts. Cincinnati Bengals reunite Joe Burrow with his teammate in Jamar Chase. The Miami Dolphins follow the Cincinnati Bengals suit and reunite Tua with his game-winning receiver in the national championship game in Devontae Smith. Cincinnati Bengals end the wide, or not Cincinnati Bay. <laughs> the Detroit Lions end the wide receiver run by selecting Jalen Waddell. At seven, Carolina gets the best offensive lineman in the draft with Panay Sewell. The the Denver Broncos stay put and get the quarterback they wanted all along and Trey Lance to, uh, to battle out and eventually replace Drew Locke. Dallas Cowboys select Patrick Sertan. New York Giants select top five prospect Micah Parsons, linebacker with character concerns. Philadelphia Eagles select J.C. Horn, corner out of South Carolina. L.A. Chargers select Rashawn Slater, offensive tackle out of Northwestern. Minnesota selects Elijah Vera Tucker, guard out of USC. New England Patriots finally get their quarterback and Justin Fields from Ohio State. And the Arizona Cardinals take the high-risk, high-reward corner and Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to cover the second half of the mock draft. Welcome back, everyone. We are on the last part of the mock draft, second half here. Where we left off, the Arizona Cardinals selected Caleb Farley, corner out of Virginia Tech. The L.A. or L.A. (laughs) They were the L.A. team at one point. I almost said Oakland as well. 
The Las Vegas Raiders are on the clock at pick 17. I have them taking offensive tackle Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State. I would have them go in Christian Derrissaw, who I have ranked higher, but the L.A. or Oh, my God. I keep saying L.A. The Vegas Raiders need a right tackle. Tevin Jenkins is a, I almost said fierce. He's a nasty offensive lineman, road grader in the run game. He fits more of what the Raiders are looking for, where Darasaw is more of a left tackle. The Raiders have that position already solidified. They let go of Rodney Hudson in free agency. They let They traded Orlando Brown back to the... Was it Orlando Brown? I might be thinking of the wrong player. I might be thinking of the Baltimore player. They traded their right tackle back to the New England Patriots. So they have they they have massive gaps on the offensive line. I think they take Micah Parsons if he falls here. But in this draft, in this case, in this scenario, he's gone. So I think the Raiders solidify their offensive line or start to rebuild their offensive line with Tevin Jenkins. Once again, I have Christian Derrissaw rated higher on my board. I just think Tevin Jenkins is the better fit. Pick 18, my Miami Dolphins are back on the clock. I have them taking, I'm going to stay true to my locket in picks. I have them taking defensive end Quiddy Pay out of Michigan. God, I hope not. I would love Micah Parsons here. I would love Tevin Jenkins, but the Raiders just sniped him. I would even not mind Rashad Bateman here at 18, who's on the board. If the board fell this way, like I said, I would like Rashad Bateman here. Zayvon Collins would be a nice pick. I would love Najee Harris here, but I have a feeling the Dolphins are going to address their big, one of their biggest needs in defensive end. I would personally wait until the second round. I just have a gut feeling they go quitty pay. Once again, Phillips is a good pick here. If it wasn't for the injury concern, he'd be a slam dunk. But also, if there wasn't injury concerns, he'd be going to the Giants at 11. I don't think he'd be here at pick 18. The Dolphins could select him. Wouldn't be surprised, but I'm going with my gut here. I think Quiddy Pay is the pick. Washington football team is on the clock. They could take a tackle here, Christian Derrissaw, on the board. However, there has been a buttload of steam on the linebacker position. So I am going to give them a linebacker at 19. I am going to give them Jeremiah Awusu-Koromoro, linebacker out of Notre Dame at pick 19. Now, I understand Washington, their defense was their strength last year, but I feel like the linebacker is the missing piece, similar to an elite pass rusher being the missing piece in the Dolphins' defense. I think Jeremiah Wusukoromoro completes the Washington football team defense. He has rangy speed. I think he could be used similar to how the head coach had Shaq Thompson in Carolina. I think Ron Rivera is a defensive-minded guru, and I think he will find a good use for Jeremiah Wusukoromoro in a similar type of role that he had Shaq Thompson in in Carolina. I think he'll add an a, a immensely speed position. I'm not high in uh, JOK, but I understand why teams like him, though, and I think he'd be a great fit in Washington. I think Denver makes sense for him, too, to cover tight ends. So I think this is a good pick for Washington. I think they would love a quarterback here. They might be able to trade up and snatch one of the the four, the top five, I mean. But in this draft, they are all gone. They're not going to reach on a Kyle Trask, God help me. I think they're going to wait until round two or three to go after a quarterback. The Chicago Bears are in the same boat. They just scream Mac Jones to me, but Mac Jones is long gone at going at three. 
I could see them and the 49ers are the two teams that probably really like Mac Jones. And for those saying Bill Belichick, go watch the go watch the practice uh, the pro day for Mac Jones when he hit the roof and watch Bill Belichick shake his head. That doesn't strike me as a guy who wants Mac Jones. Mac Jones, the only teams that might want him are Chicago Bears and the 49ers. But in this case, all the quarterbacks are gone. I almost gave them an offensive tackle because Darasaw is still here, and I think they may run the card up and make him the pick. But I'm going to follow my uh, one of my co-hosts' lead here, Matt Sleazer, when he gave it to him. He gave me this idea a week ago, and I'm stealing it from him. I'm giving them wide receiver out of Minnesota, Rashad Bateman. Let me find him here. There we go. The Chicago Bears, yes, they have Allen Robinson, but he is on a franchise tag. I don't think they're going to be able to re-sign him. I think he's going to bounce. I think they get the replacement in-house with Rashad Bateman on a rookie deal and the same type of receiver. They were also in on the wide receiver from Detroit, Kenny Galladay. That tells me that they are still very high on receivers. They just struck out. I would not be surprised to see them take Rashad Bateman to get a cheap, younger replacement on a five-year deal. Bateman I have as my receiver three in this draft. I think he's just as capable as Chase. Does a lot of the same things, but is a slightly better route runner. And I think if he played at a better school, like an LSU or an Alabama or a Clemson, he'd be a top 10 pick. They get the sure-handed route runner Rashad Bateman at pick 20. The Indianapolis Colts. This could be a trade-down scenario. Chris Ballard loves the trade-down. Why would a team trade up to 21? I think a team would do that to jump the New York Jets and Pittsburgh Steelers for a running back, be it the Buffalo Bills, who feel like they were a piece away, the Miami Dolphins coming up from 36. I think those two teams make sense. In addition, somebody might look at one of these edge players and want to get ahead of the Titans and the Jets. Jalen Phillips is still on the board. Aziz Ojolari is still on the board. team like Cleveland or Baltimore might want to jump up. But I have them staying put and taking the offensive tackle, Christian Derrissaw. That leaves their all-pro guard, Quinn and Nelson, at left guard. Leave him where he is. He's on a Hall of Fame career path. Resolidify the left side of your line. The board fell that way to address one of your needs. Take the need. Tennessee Titans are on the clock. I'm going to shock people here. They love their big uglies. The Tennessee Titans, I had them right on the money last year, and Isaiah Wilson was by many considered a surprise reach. And they love drafting offensive linemen. They love drafting defensive linemen. They love drafting from the SEC, and they love running backs. While I don't see them going running back here at Derrick Henry on the roster, and I don't think they'll take another swing at offensive linemen given the huge dumpster fire disaster, I think they still have shell shock from Isaiah Wilson. So I don't see them going tackle this high but I do see them going defensive linemen and I've heard the rumor that they love defensive tackles. I know they have Jeffrey Simmons, but they said they love to run three defensive tackle schemes. Give me Christian Barmore from Alabama at this pick. I think he could go anywhere as high as here. Cleveland at 26 makes sense. Tampa Bay at 32 makes sense. It's very hard to know where he is. This is probably one of the worst defensive tackle classes I've seen in the last five to six years. But Barmore is the one that does carry a first-round grade, so he might go higher than expected because there is a cliff after him. I know the defensive tackle from Washington is rated okay. I think he's like a high second-round grade. 
but Barmore is far and away the number one. I'm not going to try to say his name, by the way, the one from Washington. Levi something. I'm not going to try to pronounce it and butcher it. Number 23, the Jets. Matt Sleazer, you're welcome, by the way, because I also was given your team. They're in a golden position right now. I'm going to go with they could take Jalen Phillips here like Matt predicted, given the way the board fell, but I'm going to give them a corner. Greg Newsom out of Northwestern. Robert Sala loves his corners. He worked with Richard Sherman in San Francisco. He gets his lockdown corner here in Greg Newsom. The Jets have an abysmal secondary, not named Marcus May in the safety. They need to get corners. I believe this edge class is a weak edge class. Besides Jalen Phillips, I think all these cor- these defensive ends have second-round grades. I don't see a big gap. I think the Jets can try to eff- uh, try to get their defensive end figured out with the second or third-round pick and get just as impactful of a player. I think the Jets go corner here at Greg Newsome. It makes sense. It fills a need, and Greg Newsom's a great player. He's got a lot of steam. A lot of teams like this kid. I would not be surprised if he goes 16 at the Arizona Cardinals. And if that happens... Flip it. I think they go Caleb Farley here at 23 then. The Pittsburgh Steelers. I pissed off some people last time when I gave them a center. So this time I did not screw myself over. I am going to give them Najee Harris running back from Alabama. Now, could a team trade up in front of Pittsburgh to swipe him? Absolutely. Could the Dolphins swap? or snipe them at 20 or not 28. Oh my God. At 18. Yes. But I feel like Najee Harris is the one running back. I feel comfortably saying we'll go in the first round of this draft. So I think I don't personally think this pick, I would make this pick if I'm Pittsburgh, your offensive line is in shambles. You're going to lose. You lost your guard. You lost Marquise Pouncey, your center, to retirement. I think you need to replenish the offensive line. Even like Matt was saying, they need defensive reinforcements as well. You lost Bud Dupree to free agency. Devin Bush has had an injury pet, like start to his career. But I everyone's been saying, this pick Najee Harris to Pittsburgh has been as locked in as Zach Wilson to the Jets. <laughs> like You go Trevor Lawrence. Zach Wilson, and then the third most locked-in pick is Najee Harris to the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's really pretty funny. So I'm not going against the grain here. I'm giving him Najee Harris. Once again, I'm trying to be right here. So the Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock. I think if Derisaw makes it here, he's the pick, or Tevin Jenkins, but neither are on the board. I know they have DJ Shark. I know they took what's-his-name in the second round last year. LaVisca Chenault, I think they're going to get their own weapon here. Give me Kadarius Toney, wide receiver out of Florida. Urban Meyer loves his underneath guys that can run the slant, work in the slot. That's Kadarius Toney all day. They have Shark on the outside. I think they're going to get a weapon. They're going to get a weapon for Trevor Lawrence. Also, don't be surprised here, like Paul was saying, a week ago, if they go running back here, Travis Etienne makes a lot of sense. I know they have the running back that unrestricted free agents last year. A lot of teams take second running backs, folks. The Colts didn't need Jonathan Taylor. They had Marlon Mack, but they took him. The Baltimore Ravens had Edwards and they had Melvin or they had Ingram, Mark Ingram, and they took J.K. Dobbins. 
lot of teams still take running backs, even if they don't need them. But I do think Kadarius Tony here from Florida is the pick at 25. Cleveland Browns. I snipe myself here. I could easily see Christian Barmore. This is another highly popular pick for the Cleveland Browns. But given the case in that he is still on the board, I am giving them Jalen Phillips. The slide for him stops here. Edge out of Miami. He has the highest upside of all the edge players in this draft. And I think the Cleveland Browns are the team that can take this risk because they already have Miles Garrett on one side. They don't need Jalen Phillips to be the premier pass rusher. If he misses some games due to concussions, that's okay. They have Garrett, and they still have other players to carry the load. This is a perfect fit for Phillips, and it gives them a nasty pairing with him and Garrett on alternate ends. Once again, I also think defensive tackle is a pick here, but with a combination of Barmore being off the board and Phillips being on the board, I don't think the Cleveland Browns pass this up. The Baltimore Ravens. This sucks because they have picks 27 and 31. I think I'm going to have these picks backwards, but I'm still going to make the picks regardless. I think they take safety out of TCU, Trevon Mooring with 27. I ultimately think they end up taking with 31, but I'm just getting that pick out of the way because who knows, they might get spooked by the Saints or Packers taking him. So they take him here. The New Orleans Saints are on the board, and I just have a gut feeling here. It's between, for me, two positions. I think they go linebacker here, or I think they go wide receiver. Elijah Moore makes a lot of sense here. He's a sneaky player that could sneak into the bottom of the first round, but I'm not going to give them that player. I think they need a captain of the defense. Paul gave them Jeremiah Wusukoromoro here, I believe, in our mock draft last week. I would give them him here, but he's gone, long gone. He went to Washington, but I'm going to stay on that trend here. I'm going to give them Jameen Davis, linebacker out of Kentucky. I almost gave them Zayvon Collins. I like Zayvon Collins more, but Jameen Davis is loved in NFL circles, and his pro day helped rise his stock. The kid is a missile. He has more speed and more upside than Collins does. I think he is what the Saints are looking for. Once again, don't be surprised if Elijah Moore is the pick here at wide receiver or Terrace Marshall Jr., but I'm going to go with what Paul had last week position-wise, and I think they could go linebacker with this pick. The Green Bay Packers are on the board. I almost went with the surprise pick that Matt has because I think he's on the right track here. They could easily go corner. I almost mocked the corner here and stole it off him. They could go corner with this pick. However. I'm going to give them offensive tackle Alex Leatherwood out of Alabama. They need to replace along the offensive line. They lost Corey Lindsley to free agency, and they need depth on the offensive tackle. They could not have Billy Turner as their starter when Bakhtieri goes down. They need a rotational piece. Leatherwood could come in. He could play tackle. He could play guard. He gives them line versatility. They could also go center here. Don't be surprised. They could have a center to replace Corey Lindsley here. This is one of the teams to keep an eye on. But I'm going to follow the offensive line here. Trust me, I know Billy Turner sucks. My team drafted him, the Dolphins. Raw prospect. Now he flirt, he's kind of find a little bit of a resurgence in Green Bay. But man, did he struggle against Tampa Bay in that playoff game. You guys see that? Woo! It's a false start machine. Anyway, Buffalo Bills are on the clock. We have the final three picks here. And man, 
my buddy Paul is giving me like heart palpitations here with this pick. I don't know what to do. I've been making fun of him for years saying they're going to take Travis Etienne here or Javante Williams, and I could easily see that being the pick. Insider Benjamin Albright has gotten the first round pick for the Buffalo Bills the last five years right. That is insane. Five years, and he is saying they're going running back. I know Brandon Bean and the head coach have said, Sean McDermott, it's not a running back issue. It's a line issue. It's a blocking issue. I am going to tend to, I think this could be a lie because they were in on Aaron Jones. Why would you be in on Aaron Jones if that's not the case? But I think they need to get, I do think they pass on running back in this particular mock draft. I think they're going to, they need a corner opposite of Tredavious White. I almost gave them an edge player. I think Joe Tryon makes sense here. Aziz Ojolari makes sense. Jason Owe makes sense here. I think they need a corner opposite of Tredavious White. I am going to give them Eric Stokes out of Georgia. Once again, I could see edge being the play here, but I think their biggest need is an edge opposite of Tredavious White. I live in Western New York. I hear from Buffalo fans all the time. Besides Tredavious White, it's blown coverage waiting to happen. They've had some corners fill in abnormally like Josh Norman, who was a free agent signing. But I think they need somebody in the wings to develop and get up. So I have them taking Eric Stokes, corner from Georgia. The Baltimore Ravens are on the clock here. And this one's going to surprise people. Actually, I'm not going to surprise people here. I'm going to go safe. I almost, I changed my mock draft at the last second because once it's on the radio here or on the podcast, it's forever. I was going to give them Creed Humphrey and stick with my cookie supreme bet. Because I could see it being Creed Humphrey that replaced the offensive lineman they lost. But they need an edge in the worst way, and this team loves drafting pass rushers. They lost Matt Judon to the New England Patriots. I think they go because he's on the board and he's too good to pass up. They take a Cezo Jolari here, defensive end out of Georgia. I really want to give them Creed Humphrey here. You heard it here first that they take him. It was a my cookie supreme bet, but I just can't pass up a Cezo Jolari. I think he's the pick here. And this puts the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the clock. I think Christian Barmore makes a lot of sense here. I almost want to give them Joe Tryon here at edge. Right, That pick makes a lot of sense. Joe Tryon, he's been getting a lot of buzz. But no, I'm going to give them Travis Etienne running back out of Clemson. Do they need a running back? No. They signed Leonard Fournette back to a small deal. They still have Ronald Jones. This is a team that also signed Antonio Brown last year for a one-year deal when they already had Mike Evans and Godwin. And they drafted Tyler Johnson from Minnesota in the draft. But yeah, they still signed Antonio Brown. This is a team that signed Rob Gronkowski to run it back Bugaboo style when they had O.J. Howard. This is a team that would not surprise me if they take Travis Etienne just because they can. They don't have a lot of needs. So they're taking the player home run style. So that's my draft. I almost gave them Joe Tryon. Once again, a Christian Barmore is there. I think he's the pick. But given how this board fell... I think these are the picks. 
So once again, I'm not going to regurgitate the whole draft, but from pick 17 on, Raiders select Tevin Jenkins, offensive tackle. Dolphins select defensive end from Michigan, Quiddy Pay. Washington selects JOK from Notre Dame. Bears select Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota. Colts select Christian Derisaw, tackle from Virginia Tech. Tennessee Titans shock the world. Excuse me, shock the world and take Christian Barmore from Alabama. Jets take their corner with Greg Newsom out of Northwestern. Pittsburgh takes the first running back off the board and breaks the hearts of many in the AFC East with Najee Harris running back from Alabama. Jacksonville Jaguars select Kadarius Toney. Cleveland Browns select Jalen Phillips, edge out of Miami, and stop his slide. Baltimore Ravens select safety out of TCU, Trevon Morig. New Orleans Saints find the captain of their defense at Jameen Davis from Kentucky. Alex Leatherwood, the versatile offensive lineman from Alabama, is the pick for the Green Bay Packers. The Buffalo Bills try to find an opposite corner, Tredavious White, with Eric Stokes, corner from Georgia. The Baltimore Ravens select edge rusher from Georgia as well as sees Ojulari. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers add, add more to the riches pile with Travis Etienne running back from Clemson. Thank you once again to everyone for tuning in. Just a last reminder, we will be going on Facebook Live this Thursday at 8 o'clock for the NFL Draft. The venue will either be a random apartment or house or a bar with me celebrating with friends and family. One of the two. Just a quick reminder to leave a review wherever you're listening to this podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever. You can tweet at me. I am at MadTitan1018 on Twitter. I'll be leaving some polls on Facebook in future as well to get your thoughts, get more feedback, really engage more with everyone here. Thank you once again to everyone for tuning in, and I will see you guys this week for the NFL Draft. Thank you so much.